You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. We get closer and closer to a championship. Currently, the Dodgers up 3-2 over the Rays in the 2020 World Series. Welcome into Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my partner, John Heyman. Nice big show uh, headed for you guys today. Uh, We're going to talk about the last two games in this Dodger Rays series. Of course, John will have his inside corner on the latest news going around Major League Baseball. And our special guest today will be Steve Sachs. Uh, so I hope you guys sit back, relax, and enjoy uh, this podcast today. And John, let me welcome you in, man. This World Series has been a, 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 a lot of fun to watch, uh, despite what seemed like a, a big advantage for the Dodgers. The Rays have made this a series. Of course, the Dodgers uh, taking the go-ahead here last night uh, to, to take their lead to 3-2. How have you felt about this series so far? Yeah, I think it's uh, fantastic, and I give the Rays all the credit in the world. I know we both had picked the Dodgers in six, so we're, we're both alive for that. But that being said, I'm still always amazed by the, the Rays. Looking at that lineup, I, I mean, versus the Dodger lineup, I, it's pretty much of, of an overmatch to me. But uh, you got to give the Rays credit. Uh, their defense is fantastic. That bullpen is outstanding. They certainly have an advantage in the pen that helped them win that very exciting uh, game four to even the series. Um, their bullpen was a little bit better than the Dodgers that day, uh, but uh, it's been excellent uh, throughout. And I, you know, I give Tampa credit. Uh, they won 40 games. They beat the Yankees. They beat the Astros. They got here and uh, you know, they're really only two games away. They could easily win this world series. Uh, obviously we both picked the Dodgers. So we both believe the Dodgers are going to close it out. But uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm in, Continue to be impressed by the Rays. Yeah, no, uh, there's no doubt about it. Their offense has stepped up in ways that I didn't think uh, they could. And a lot of that has been due to the resurgence of of Brandon Lau, uh, who had really struggled in the playoffs prior to this World Series. But uh, he had the two-homer game and has really uh, been swinging the bat well ever since. I just keep going back to the games and and how they've been in order. The Braves have yet to beat anybody named Kershaw or Bueller. And um, I think that bodes well for the Dodgers moving forward because at worst case scenario, they're going to go bullpen day to day, but a game seven guarantees that Walker Bueller will get to, to pitch. And and the way he looked in game three, if if I'm the Rays, I don't feel very confident about that because that's as good as he's looked, I think all season. Uh, and, and to top that off, it seems like the Dodgers offense is clicking 
better than it has uh, throughout the course of the playoffs. So they've got two things going. Walker Bueller is, is is will be able to pitch one more time in this series, and I just I just have a hard time seeing the Rays being able to muster up enough offense. Now they proved me wrong to this far, <laughs> although I did I did pick this to end in six. So by that account, it should end uh, it should end in tonight or uh, excuse me on Tuesday. Uh, yeah. But but either way, uh, you you do have to give the Rays a lot of credit, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Cash has been uh, impressive, I think. Yeah, the way, yeah. The way he's gone about this series. Yeah, he's he's really good, no question about that. And uh, uh, Tampa, you're right on, on Lau. He he just was not himself. He was something like six for fifty six. Uh, Cash stuck with him. You're right. Uh, that was the right thing to do. I would have at least moved him down in that lineup. He didn't do that. He got the two home run game. He's now got three homers in the series. He he led the team in home runs and and in hits and in most categories. I mean, you wouldn't think so watching this uh, playoffs, particularly since a, a Rose Arena has turned into Babe Ruth. He's been incredible. I, I mean, a, a Rose Arena has really carried them offensively. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've gotten a couple of nice knocks from uh, Zanino and uh, from Renfro. Obviously, Margot has shown more power. Uh, than he he'd shown in the regular season much more. Uh, so I mean they've they've been a little bit reliant on the home run, but uh, they have gotten a lot of home runs, and uh, you know they're right there. They still could win this with two two more wins. So uh, I wouldn't count them out. Certainly, uh, the Dodgers uh, just looking from the Rays standpoint, the Dodgers have a bullpen game basically in Game Six. They have Gonsolin, who was really good in the regular season has not been as good no. in the postseason so far in starting game six. And nobody thinks he's really a, a five-inning pitcher at this point. You know, this is maybe a bullpen game for them. Uh, May was used, but uh, he'll be uh, available, um, potentially Urias, although they may save Urias for seven. I don't know. To me, that seven is a danger spot. Bueller is fantastic, one, one of the best big-game pitchers we've seen in re- recent years. And you're right. I, I, he's as good as we've seen him in the last couple of outings. But uh, – a lot of pressure. If it goes to seven, the Dodgers have a lot of pressure on them. They're also facing Charlie Morton. I know they got to him in uh, the previous game, the matchup. But Morton is one of the better big game pitchers and yeah. he certainly won that game seven at Dodger Stadium in 2017. I know, you know, Dodger fans will mention, of course, that they shouldn't have even gotten to that point because the Astros uh, were cheating. But uh, that, that was not a reflection <laughs> on Charlie Morton. That was more about the hitters, not – certainly not a pitcher at Dodger Stadium. And he, he's been an excellent big game pitcher. This was really his first bad outing that he's had in game three. Uh, so, you know, it's still kind of a danger zone for the Dodgers to me. Uh, I still think they're going to win, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to count on anything. Uh, the Dodgers, that lineup, fantastic. Corey Seager, I, I think he is really an underrated player. Kind of gets lost there with uh, Betts and, and Bellinger. You know, I, I tweeted something at the beginning of this series and, uh, I got a lot of pushback. You you might push back on me a little bit too, but I'm feeling a little better about it now. I started to regret it, but I, I, I talked about how the Dodgers have three of the 10 best players in baseball and did my own unofficial ranking at that moment and had bets at number two. I'm with you on that one. You've convinced me he's the second best player in the game or certainly, uh, you know, the best Dodger player. Uh, you know, you might argue yeah. third or something like that, but second best player. I had Bellinger ranked as the fifth best player, position player, talking about not counting DeGrom and Bueller and the pitchers. But uh, And I had Seager as the ninth, and boy, did I get pushback. I got a lot of likes from some people, but wow, about 200 people uh, made fun of me for picking Seager. I'll, I'll say this about Corey Seager. 
Um, you know, you count the postseason and the regular season, he's got an OPS of, I, I would say it's got to be over 1,000 now because it was a, close to 950 in the regular season. He's been on fire for these, whatever they've played, 17, 18 games in the, in the playoffs. And he's done it at Dodger Stadium, which certainly isn't a hitter's park, and Globe Life Field, which uh, Globe, uh, which is uh, the, was the biggest pitcher's park in baseball uh, this year. Now they've had the roof open for most of the time, so that helps a, a little bit. But, um, uh, you know, to me, you got a shortstop who's got an OPS of 1,000, uh, hitting in mostly in pitchers' parks, uh, he's he's better than people say. Maybe I overrated him a little bit. I don't know. Where, where do you stand on the Dodger lineup and Corey Seager? Uh, I, there are there are a lot of great players out there. Yelich, Acuna. You know, there are a lot of guys that uh, Soto that I would have to rank ahead of him. But uh, I still had him at number nine. Yeah, I, I don't think you're far off at all. I, I had the opportunity to see him his rookie season uh, in LA when I was doing the broadcasting for the Dodgers and. Um, it was a, it was pretty apparent to me that he was in the conversation because it came up the same year as Lindor did. It was he was in that conversation at that time. It's funny how a year of injury removing you from the scenario, how quickly everybody forgets. Uh, Corey Seager has always been a threat, uh, especially at the plate. But now what's happened is he's been put on this stage and everybody's getting a chance to see it. And I agree with you. He, he, he could easily fit into that 9-10 spot. I also agree that, that Mookie Betts has proven that he is at the very least the second best player in Major League Baseball. And uh, that's why this Dodger team continues to, to, to be as good as they are. Yes, they, bring, they have the ability to go out and make trades and bring in superstars, but they do as good as anybody in baseball of drafting and developing. Corey Seager is just amongst a long line of, of young, talented guys that have come through that organization. I want to get into some of these games individually because game four was absolutely mind-blowing. You know, uh, both teams going back and forth. The Dodgers kind of seized the lead. Kenley Jansen comes in, uh, ends up giving up the lead on a single that turned into a walk-off uh basically era uh, win for the Tampa Bay Rays, that play, I don't know if I've seen anything like it in, in World Series <laughs> history. That was amazing. It was. Well, Rose Arena falling down between third and home is what made it <laughs> yeah. doubly amazing because, yeah. <laughs> you know, here he's definitely going to be out. And then, of course, Muncie made that throw. It wasn't a great throw, but uh, certainly uh, Smith, uh, uh, Will Smith rushed it. And uh, he, he eventually they gave him an error as well as uh, Taylor right. – uh, I think because there were two times Rosarena should have been – the first time he should have been held at third if he had fielded cleanly in center, and the second time he should have been out. So uh, it was an unusual play where a guy gets one extra base and there's two errors for it. But, you know, I, I think that's probably the right call. It was a certainly a wild finish. Rosarena has been amazing. Uh, I mean, he can run too, but the power, incredible. A record, nine home runs in the postseason. Uh, so – Give him credit there. Uh, I think the the issue was Bellinger. Uh, part of the issue there was Bellinger uh, couldn't make it because his back uh, was ailing that day. And uh, Taylor is an infielder. Uh, you think an infielder fields grounders, but it's certainly a different uh, perspective that he has. And that started the ball rolling. And Muncie rushed it a bit, and Smith certainly rushed it uh, quite a bit. Um, the Dodgers are a good fielding team. They're not as good a fielding team as the Rays. You watch the Rays now. We've seen them 
for all close to 20 games after pretty much ignoring them through the regular season when they won 40 games. That defense, incredible. They, they just don't make those kind of mistakes, certainly not two on one play. Wendell is a fantastic third baseman. Is he a, a Arenado or Urshela? Maybe not, but he's outstanding. Yeah. Adamas, incredible at shortstop. And he's he's got he perfected that pulling the guy off the bag at second base. I, I don't think he, he did it twice. Uh, he did it to Muncie. He did it one other time. And uh, he can get away with it somehow uh, due to that funky rule where we review everything. And if a guy's a millimeter off the bag and the gloves on him, he's out and uh, he's awfully good. And obviously we knew about Kiermaier and he didn't get a gold glove. He got a gold glove snub, didn't get nominated for some reason. Uh, but you know, they have that great defense. I'm still, still trying to figure out how they do it. It's really uh, amazing, but it is the defense I think. And, and the pen uh, that's helpful, but uh in terms of that game, that, that was one of the better yeah. uh, and more exciting World Series games that we're going to see back and forth. And, yeah, Jansen's – it's interesting because he made pretty good pitches. He did. Uh, made, they, you know, they were right on the corner. He had two called strikes that were could have easily been balls. He had a ball that could have easily been a strike. It was 1-2, and the pitch was not bad. He kind of jammed him. It wasn't hit hard. Jansen was correct about that. But, you know, I think we're probably not going to see him again just because uh, it went in and he's got the history of having some bad uh, luck or whatever you want to say in the postseason. So they have so many other options. I, I just don't – I'm not sure we're going to see Jansen again. I, it's a, a little unfair because I, you know, I think he's throwing the ball pretty well right now. No, he definitely is, and, and you might be right. Uh, if they get to a game seven, however, especially on a bullpen day, they may have no choice but to use him. Uh, in, in a finale, but I, I will say you mentioned the, the, the Rays, and the one thing is, that is clear to me that they don't do, which is different than every team in Major League Baseball, is they don't play guys out of position. Like if you are a third baseman, you're playing third base. If you're a left fielder, you're, like they don't have any platoon guys. You look on the Dodgers side, who is a good, that's a good defensive team, you know. Uh, Chris Taylor is, is naturally an infielder. He's playing some outfield because he's done it for him at different points during his stay. And Dodger has been adequate there. But uh, his error was the big one because once he makes that error, it speeds up the entire everybody else who has to do their job thereafter. And I think that played a part in the Will Smith thinking he was going to have to put a swipe tag down where actually, as you as we mentioned, I was a, a, a razor run. A, gosh, um, Randy Rosarina, uh, excuse me, was uh, fell down. And that was just something that uh, Will Smith wasn't able to see and unfortunately they lose. Now, you fast forward to game five, a lot of questionable things, uh, or I shouldn't say a lot, but the one questionable thing that happened was uh, Manny Margot's attempt to steal home plays. First and foremost, you got to give Clayton Kershaw credit because as a left-handed pitcher, he's basically – playing off of what Max Muncie is yelling at him and to have the presence of mind and, and, and as quick as he did it to step off the rubber fire home to give uh, Will or I think it was actually Austin Barnes an opportunity to put that tag down. Uh, I thought was, was a very heads up play by Clay Kirsch, but on the flip side, I thought that that spoke to their urgency that the Rays knew they needed to try to force the issue to score because they were going to have a, a, an issue. They were going to have a tough time with Clayton Kershaw, and that proved to be true after he gets out of that inning. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't mind that uh, attempted steal at home at all by Margot. He was he was barely out. He was out. Um, the call was correct, and they do get 
the calls corrected these days. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there's not going to be any missed calls or very few anyway. Um, so I, I thought it was worth the try. Kiermaier up, I believe, at that time, lefty facing uh, Kershaw. I mean, Kershaw didn't have his best stuff, but I, I think the chances to score uh, there on the stolen base, believe it or not, are probably better than Kiermaier getting a hit uh, against uh, Kershaw at that moment. So uh, you're right, heads up by Muncie. Uh, Great by Kershaw to step off, have the presence of mind to step off and know what he's doing. Uh, I didn't think he made a great throw, but it was certainly was good enough. And uh, that was a key play in the game. But uh, I, I, Kevin Cash didn't really take a position on Margot's decision to say it was up to Margot. But, uh, you know, it's, I'm at a distance here. I'm not emotional about it. I, I think it was worth the, uh, worth the try because had Kershaw panicked a little bit more, not stepped off, or made an even worse throw, he, he would have been safe. And he certainly yeah. passed. He, he looked like he had a, a nice lead there. And uh, I, I don't blame him. It would have been would have been something like a Jackie Robinson still. We saw the Angels pull it off uh, back in 2000, I think it was 2002, with Spezio and somebody else. There were two guys. It was a double steal, though. Uh, that's a little more common, uh, yeah, you, yeah. stealing of second. and home. But to have a straight steal of home, uh, that really would have lit a fire under the race. And I, I do think, even though they did uh, even it up at 2-2, two to two, this was a close game at this point. They were within a run. Uh, I do think they need to take some chances. I and mean, we are they are playing a yeah. team that won 43 games. <laughs> they're awfully good. They're, they're the favorite in every series by a wide margin. And uh, even though, obviously, they only beat the Braves in Game 7 by one run, let's let's give the Braves credit there. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the idea of taking chances. Marco was fast. He had a nice lead. I think the opportunity was there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I like the chance taken there, too. I think uh, ultimately you forced the Dodgers to do almost everything perfect, and they did in that particular instance, and they were able to get the, the out. The other thing that I thought was important, and I don't know that the Dodgers had usually in years past been in this position, uh, I like the move Dave Roberts made of getting Kershaw out of there five and two thirds uh, and years past where they didn't trust their bullpen or they didn't have uh, enough depth in their bullpen to go to it. They would have had to leave Kershaw in there and we've seen how that's worked out. I think that's been part of the story that is really not told when it comes to Clayton Kershaw is Many of those times he's been in those games late. It's because he had to be in there late. The, the Dodgers just did not trust their bullpen or have the depth in the years past. Last night, Dave Roberts goes and gets him. And I know it was tough for Kershaw having been a teammate of his. But I think as he got to the dugout and had a chance to think about it, I think, as you saw there, when him and Dave Roberts embraced there, I, I think he understood where, where that was coming from. And it, and it worked out for him last night. I was happy to see that. Yeah, I'm with you. You're batting a thousand today, Tony. Absolutely. Um, the, the problems in the past have been sticking with Kershaw too long. If you look at his record in the postseason, well, first of all, we know that Houston cheated. I, I feel like St. Louis must have at least had a tip or something, not right, nothing illegal right, or anything. Right. But the way they they knocked him around so many times, uh, you know, I think those were the issues there. But the other issue was leaving them in too long. And it wasn't only only Roberts, it was Mattingly, no, it was Torrey no, before right, that. Right. They, they have a history of leaving him in too long because they're just afraid to take out the best guy in baseball. I mean, he's been the best pitcher probably since Sandy Koufax in baseball. I mean, you could make a case for Pedro, I guess, or Randy Johnson or Maddox. Yeah. But I, I don't know. If you look at the record, I think Kershaw's is the best uh 
since Colfax. And it's hard to take out Colfax. They, they all seem to respect him so much. They always defer to him. And I, I think this time it was nice to see that uh, Roberts had the guts to make that move. I thought that was the right move. And it turned out to, uh, to be the right move. Uh, the Dodger bullpen is is solid. I, I, you know, and again, I'm going to stick up for Jansen. I, I think he's throwing well. He's just a little bit unlucky. But uh, yeah. I do like the rest of them. The rest of their bullpen is pretty good. Not as good as the Rays, though. That's the Rays' one advantage. That's, if you get the even game after seven innings, uh, you, you know, the Rays have the advantage at that point. Yep. So right now, series at 3-2. Game six will be on Tuesday. Game seven, if necessary. Let's get into this inside corner. A lot of things going around baseball, even though there's only two teams actually playing right now. Let's start mm-hmm. Uh, with the A's, uh, they got some questions they, they have uh, with free agents. Simeon, Hendricks, both uh, have an opportunity to hit the open market. Will they get to the open market? Yeah, you know what? I, I think that they will, um, you know, perhaps in a different time, uh, different environment. Uh, they might get qualifying offers. I think Simeon's still a question. It still might get a qualifying offer. Uh, that's a tough call. I don't think Hendricks... And even though he's a great reliever, he is a reliever in a small market. Uh, I don't see him getting the qualifying offer. And at this point, from what I understand, um, I've heard that they look at it as a challenge to uh, try to sign either of them. They find it challenging was the word I got. So I I think at this point, it's pretty likely that they will not sign either guy and that both will uh, be coveted free agents elsewhere. Obviously, Simeon joins an interesting shortstop mix there with uh, Dini, a free agent. Uh, Andrelton Simmons, a free agent. Galvis, a free agent. Of course, we know Lindor is on the block. Uh, but, you know, the A's are a small market team. Obviously, we know that uh, they were early on in uh, cutting minor leaguers into that. And uh, there was a report that they've cut 30% of their workforce. I'm not sure it's that high. If it is, that's quite steep. And uh, yeah, to begin yeah. with, from what I heard, uh, Oakland and Baltimore had the smallest uh, front office workforces uh, in baseball. At least that was as of a couple of years ago. And I don't think that has changed much. So uh, they clearly have some financial issues. I think they expected to get either, either have a stadium or have the ball rolling toward a stadium by now and haven't. They've done well off the field and uh, certainly uh, won a lot of games. They haven't uh, had much magic in the postseason, although they did win around this year. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that uh, they will be looking at, at some cuts, and uh, naturally Simeon and Hendricks will be two that I think will wind up elsewhere. They have a lot of free agents, so with Lestella and two or three other guys who are pretty good players. So it's going to be interesting offseason for Oakland. Yeah, it's interesting and, and possibly a long offseason for the A's. Uh, let's move to Boston. Let's go to Red Sox land where they are talking about maybe dipping into that Oakland pot. Plus, uh, they've got some managerial decisions to make. Yeah, that, absolutely. Uh, we still think Alex Cora is, is the likely uh, next manager, as he was a previous manager in Boston. Uh, we shall see uh, the ownership uh is likes him very much. The fans like him. And my understanding is the star players, and that's a key thing. Devers and Bogarts are, are Alex Cora fans. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on Bloom to make that choice. He's interviewed a lot of young, good candidates like uh, Will Venable, uh, Cubs coach, uh, like Don Kelly, uh, Pirates coach, and, uh, and some others, uh, several others, as a matter of fact. Uh, but, uh, I think the likelihood is that they'll end up back with a core. The reason we haven't heard from 
about Matt Quattraro is that uh, uh, Chaim Bloom, uh, upon taking the GM job with Boston, uh, had the agreement not to uh, raid, shall we say, any of the Tampa execs or decision makers for a couple of years. So uh, unless something has worked out there, the bench coach of the Rays will stay put, Matt Quattraro. Uh, you know, they're interviewing a lot of nice young pl- guys, but uh, in Boston, I, I think you probably need experience. And I haven't heard of many others with experience they've talked to yet. Maybe they've gone under the radar, but uh, I, I think the likelihood is that Cora will be back there. Now, I mentioned wanting to dip into Oakland's pot. Uh, Billy Bean's name is kind of swirling in Boston. What's that all about? Yeah, yeah. He's going to be part of the uh, ownership group. Uh, he's got a he's got a, a thing where he's, uh, you know, got a, uh, a group together, an ownership uh, group. And uh, it's going to be a, obviously a big deal. And it's certainly going to be very interesting. But uh, this, I think, goes a little bit hand in hand with the fact that Oakland still got big financial challenges. Now he's been there for three decades uh, doing those challenges and doing a terrific job. And obviously we all know about the book and the movie Moneyball and uh, which all celebrated the fantastic job he's done on a shoestring. But at this point, the way the A's are hamstrung for money, I almost think that uh, there's probably, while they'll miss him in many ways, and he's the guy who's helped save them money and win a lot of games, uh, there might be a little relief because he has a big salary uh, that he'll have to go to, that he's going to be going to the Red Sox and uh, be part of that ownership group. But I, I do think that is a extreme likelihood at this point. They do have a GM there, Dave Forrest, who, so he's leaving in quite capable hands. John, now there's two organizations who have GM spots open but are considering not filling them. Uh, we got the Reds and the Phillies are in this same boat here. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the Reds is a little different, and Nick Crawl is. It looks like he's going to pretty surely take over both spots, uh, the GM and president. He may not have the title of president. Uh, they may not give anybody that title, but uh, Dick Williams uh, decided to pursue his other business interests in Cincinnati. His family is part owners of the team, and uh, it's a grind being the general manager, and he's a successful businessman, so I understand why Dick Williams stepped away. Uh, obviously, the owner there is Bob Castellini, who badly wants to win and probably, uh, you know, the GM job is a 24-hour job. So Nick Crawl will be taking that 24-hour job. I, I don't see them hiring anybody else uh, there on that level. So uh, he will be, it will be up to Nick Crawl to do it. Uh, we'll see if he can. In, in Philly, uh, they, they haven't made any moves, really strong moves toward interviewing anybody as far as we know. So uh, Ned Rice has kind of stepped into that role uh, that Matt Klintak had uh, previously. And while well, they've moved Klintak, aside he's still with the organization so you know i'm not sure really uh, it seems like clintech is almost sacrificed here due to the uh public perception of them not living up to uh what they should have been doing which is true i mean this is a team that's basically been about 500 for the last couple of years yeah. despite signing some big big players like harper and wheeler uh and arietta and obviously wheeler did well and harper's done well arietta did not live up to uh, that contract, but uh, generally those deals worked out, but uh, the public was not too happy with the way things have gone with the Phillies. So uh, Klintak stepped aside, but I think Ned Rice, who is a capable guy, had been with Baltimore, uh, he seems like the likely guy. Uh, you hear J.J. Piccolo uh, is a possibility, and uh, he did a nice job with player development with KC. So it's possible they'll go outside. Cincinnati, I think, is set. Uh, Philly, I think, is likely set, not 100%. 
Okay, kind of been quiet on the managerial front out in in, in White Sox land. Uh, Tony LaRusso's name popped up. Haven't heard a whole lot. What are you hearing on that front? Yeah, well, they have to wait, I think, because A.J. Hinch is going to be in the mix there, and uh, nobody's eligible to talk to him until after the World Series uh, based on his suspension. Right. And he's clearly a serious candidate there and elsewhere, I think, in Detroit, too. Um, so I think, you know, uh, I, I don't think that uh, anything is set in stone at this point, but uh, uh, my understanding is that Jerry, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, would like to uh, reverse the decision he made 34 years ago to fire uh, uh uh, Tom, Tony Larusa, and uh, he'd like to have him back. And uh, you know, I don't know that Larusa would do it for anyone else, but they are very, very close. So uh, I think at this point, uh, that's the likelihood. Bob Nightingale, who works with us, uh, was the first to mention this. It raised a lot of eyebrows, but it makes some sense. And he also it doesn't hurt that he is a Spanish speaker with that team, where right. so many Latin players are part of their core, great Latin players. So uh, it's another plus. But I, I think if he doesn't decides not to take it, uh, Hinch, who uh, was represented by the agency that Rick Hahn worked for when he was an agent a long time ago before he went to the White Sox, uh, would make sense there. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I'm sure ownership wants to get that right with this White Sox team because uh, the potential there seems like it is it is uh, never ending. All right. Speaking of players, we haven't talked a lot about players, been mostly front office stuff. Let's jump into uh, some of the players here. And one of the things that you were hearing a lot of maybe last year into the offseason was a scenario in which Corey Seager and Francisco Lindor could be paired in a trade, sent for one another. Uh, that doesn't seem likely with the way Corey <laughs> Seager, Seager has swung the bat here this year and into the playoffs. Uh, you're a very smart man. I, I have not made any calls on this, this and I haven't bothered to ask. I, I think we all know that Corey <laughs> Seager is staying put at this point. I just wanted to get that on the record. Um, yes, that was a discussion. It was going to have to be Corey Seager plus for Lindor. Uh, Seager, as we mentioned earlier, has been fantastic. He's an incredible talent. Uh, he had a couple of down, what should we say, not typical years due to injury, but you can see what he can do when he's healthy and it makes no sense to trade him. He's part of this core. They had tried to lock him up earlier, weren't able to do that. But, uh, you know, I think that's more likely than uh, going out for uh, Lindor. Lindor will be on the block. Uh, there's no question about that. The Indians have tried to sign him a few times. They've been unable to. He's been looking for top dollar. That's the quote I've heard. So that means like a bets or trout type deal. And he's been one of the top uh, five players in the game or looked at that way over the last few years. He did not have his usual year. Uh, you know, whether that affects his asking price or the team's asking price, I'm not so sure. Still an amazing talent. But uh, the shortstop market uh, should be interesting, as we've alluded to before, as Lindor's on the block. And then you have his free agents, uh, Semyon, who we mentioned earlier. I don't think uh, A's will pursue him uh, to keep him long term. You've got uh, Didi Gregorius. I, I think that it's unlikely he get the qualifying offer. They'll certainly have a discussion over that. And he's one of the few that would even... Uh, be, be discussed in, in this environment, in this uh, the way things have gone economically. And Andrelton Simmons, who didn't have his typical year and was hurt, also a free agent, as is Freddie Galvis. So we got a lot of a lot of shortstops could be out there. We we expected next year to be the big year as uh, Lindor plus Story, Seager, Baez, and Correa are all free agents after next year. But this year with Lindor on the block and the other free agents, D.D. Semyon, Simmons, and Galvis, uh, should be pretty interesting. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Short stops are of abundance in Major League Baseball, especially in these next couple of years. So uh, we'll see how this plays out, but won't we see it before Game 6 and possibly Game 7 of the World Series? Absolutely. I, I would be fantastic to get to a Game 7. you got to give the Rays credit for taking it to this point, and uh, I think we all do. We, we all recognize and uh, realize that they have really achieved something here. Nobody expected them to get to this point. Uh, nobody expected uh, the Mets in 69 either, and uh, nobody expected the Dodgers in 88. Uh, and that will be our uh, discussion today with Steve Sachs, uh, 1988 uh, star for the Dodgers. And uh, uh, there's some similarities between the Dodgers and the Rays. So it'll be interesting to talk to Steve. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at John Heyman. And now you can follow this show on Twitter. Follow us at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. When we talk to you next time, there will be a World Series champion crowned. Will it be the Dodgers? Will it be the Rays? We'll find out next week. Take care. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.